I hear the trumpet calling. We ain't got long to stay here. Oh, God. We've stolen away from another eventful week. We've stolen away into the quiet of this sanctuary. We have a few minutes left. We need you to speak really clear in Jesus' name. Amen. I hold in my hands a pair of real live handcuffs from a deputy sheriff in Berrien County. These belong to him, and he's here right now to keep track of them. <laughs> Everywhere we're going this morning in the story we are about to share leads to these handcuffs. If you don't get the handcuffs at the end, it's just we've just blown these few minutes together. We're going for the handcuffs. But first, a story. Let's cut to the chase. Let's put it on the screen. Luke chapter 4. Last week, we were, with the, we were with Jesus, the three massive temptations that he overcame for you and me. Dr. Luke, the very next story, after the three temptations, here we go. Here it is on the screen. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. On the streets, they have, a, they have a slang name for a boy who comes home, homeboy or a homie. Jesus is a homeboy. <laughs> He's got a lot of homeboys in that town. Everybody knows him. He's been gone for two and a half years, one and a half years, excuse me, one and a half years. He has not come home since he went down and ended up in that wilderness with those three temptations. The homeboy is back. You can, you can be sure church is packed today. I mean, his brothers are there, his sisters are there, and his beloved mother Mary, she's there. I'm telling you what, Jesus, no pressure, but you got to perform, boy. This is a big deal. Oh, it's true. People down south, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, they got this stupid little proverb about can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, you got a good one right here, folks. Sit down, listen up. Here we go. So Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's hit the pause button right there. This is not the first time Jesus has stood in front as a homeboy in front of his home church. When he was growing up, we need to be reminded. The Kazan, that's the deacon in the synagogue. He picked somebody, okay, you're going to read today. You're going to read today, and here's where we're going to read. And the expectation is that once you read, you, you, give a, you give an exposition of what you just read. And of course, everybody's dying to hear this homeboy preach. They've heard the rumors out of, out of Jerusalem, but they want to hear it for themselves. So the Kazan hands him the scrolls. 
Jesus reads these words. Preach to us, preacher. Come on. So he does. As I have aged, this does remind us this isn't his first time. Often in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Jesus was called upon as a young man to read the lesson from the prophets. And the hearts of the hearers thrilled as a new light shone out from the familiar words of the sacred text. Jesus is unschooled, okay? He hasn't been to seminary. But he reads Hebrew beautifully. The common people do not read Hebrew. So somebody who can read Hebrew has to be invited to stand up and unroll the scroll. Jesus does. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I want you to look at that line right there because Dr. Luke, when he's, when he's composing this account, and he's the only one to tell us, the word, he uses the Greek word for anoint, which is krio, from whence comes Christos. And everybody knows that Christ means the anointed one. In other words, the Messiah. So Jesus opens his mouth. The homeboy opens his mouth and effectively declares, the Spirit of the Lord has made me the Christ, the Messiah. I am the anointed one. Whoa. John Howard Yoder, in his book, The Politics of Jesus, comments on this passage that Jesus is now reading. We must conclude that in the ordinary sense of his words, all right? So they're listening to him. He's a, he's a homeboy, just one of us. In the ordinary sense of his words, Jesus was announcing the imminent entre in vigueur, the coming into force of a new regime whose marks would be that rich would give to the poor, the captives would be freed, and men and women would have a new mentality if they believed this news. He stands in front of his, his home crowd, and he announces, a new regime has come, and I am the Messiah. Oh, wow. The implications are huge. We'll, we'll, read, the, we'll read the quotation one more time. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is a direct quote. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, keep reading. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we drill down into what he's just read. Jesus has not emptied the prison cells of Judea and Galilee. They're still full. He has not stormed the Bastille, the, the fortress of, uh, Herod's fortress of Antonio. He has not. What is this business about the prisoners will be set free? And slowly, slowly it penetrates the listeners. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's emptying out the prison cells, the prison cells of demonic darkness all across the land. This is cryptic spiritual language. Good news for the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And then he speaks the words, to proclaim the Lord's favor. That is, that is huge jubilee language. 
And everybody knows Jubilee language. That's what happens every 50 years when a Jubilee comes and the debts are eradicated. The slaves are set free. The records are leveled. Everybody is on the same level playing field again. He's using Jubilee language. He says, I am the Messiah, and I have brought Jubilee to you, hometown boy, to his hometown crowd. What he's telling them, and they're slowly starting to get it, I am your spiritual deliverer from what is holding you captive right now. Whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 come on, come on, come on. The bondage we want to be set free from is from the hated Roman tyranny. We're not here to talk about the bondage of sin. Ah, Jesus knows as he's unrolling the scroll and picking the lines to read, he knows that, la- that, that latent thought in every breast. And so he sees a line, "Uh uh-uh, I will not read that line. And he purposely omits from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, the line, and to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. No, 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 Jesus is saying, no day of vengeance now. This is a day of repentance. You are the sinners, and I am the Savior. The message they needed, they refused to hear. And I'm afraid we do the same, because all we can talk about around here is that Jesus is coming soon. He's going to crush the dark rule of the tyrant who has held us captive. He's going to crush the devil. And all the while, our sinful hearts still do not know the victory over sin Jesus longs to bring to us. We can hardly cluck our tongues at the Nazarenes now, can we? There will be no day of vengeance, it is clear, until the day of repentance comes, period. A friend of mine told me about a book that just came out, brand new. So I went on Amazon and ordered it, written by Kate Ott, brand new book. Title of her book, Sex, Tech, Tech, and Faith. Ethics for a Digital Age, and she rightfully acknowledges, I disagree with a whole bunch of her premises, but she rightfully acknowledges this, and I'll put it on the screen for you. Kate Ott, related to sexuality, no other aspect has been more revolutionized by digital technology than pornography. Pornography has been a part of societies for thousands of years. True story. Keep reading. Each new technological innovation more intimately portrays human bodies and sexual behaviors and increases the privacy of the consumer, end quote. She's right. But while our privacy may be protected, our innocence is gone. Like Adam and Eve, we see each other naked now. And we are filled with shame. Who then, Paul cries out, who will deliver me from this body of death? For that which I do not want to do, I do. And that which I want to do, I do not. But thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, 
in a nutshell, is Jesus' point in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to you who are poor and how impoverished our, our addictions leave us feeling. Be honest. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And who is more imprisoned than the addict? And by the way, in this little series, the moment we hear addict, we think sexual addiction. That is only one of a plethora of addictions. Come on. Some of us are addicted to food. Some of us are addicted to drink. Some of us are addicted to caffeine. Some of us are addicted to nicotine. Some of us are addicted to, and in an institution like this, this is a huge addiction. We're addicted to work. Absolutely. Why? Because if I work hard enough, if I slave long enough, I'm going to rise on this ladder, and I'm going to be higher than the peers in my academic field. I'll get higher and higher, and everybody's going to be reading what I write and the research I publish, and at last, I will be where they cannot be. We're addicted to that. Dopamine addiction. Oh, don't go clucking your tongues at the ones who are sexually addicted. They are here right now, sitting beside you. We are all addicted. I've come anointed to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. And what can be blinder than the one who cannot see the face of her deliverer and thus stumbles on in darkness? That's blindness. I've been anointed to set the oppressed free. And what greater joyful existential discovery is there than to discover the freedom of that which has bound you and chained you all these months? No longer chained anymore. It doesn't get any better than that. I have come because I've been anointed by the Spirit to proclaim the year the Lord's favor. Actually, the word favor is the word acceptance. And who here doesn't long to hear from the Lord? Who spoke, and neither do I condemn you. I'm not condemning you for your addiction, girl. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your past behind. Leave it behind. I don't condemn you. Oh, to hear that we've been accepted by the Lord who spoke those words. Who doesn't long after failure and falling and failure and falling and failure and falling, this incessant cycle of defeat. Who doesn't long to hear those words, the, the, word, the year of the Lord's acceptance? For that which I do not want, I do. And that which I want, I do not. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. I sat, I sat down this week on my, at my laptop. And oh my, was I amazed how many times you can link the name and the presence of Jesus to the word free or freedom. I made a list, and I'm going to run it by you right now. This is only from the New Testament, by the way. Okay, the first one is where we, where we, have, just, where we have just been in Luke chapter 4. One commentator who listened to Jesus speak, his homily there in Nazareth, summed up the homily this way. I like it. It's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus means relief for the poor, light for the ignorant, alleviation of distress for the suffering, and emancipation for the slaves of sin. 
Can Jesus really pull it off? Apparently, the New Testament believes the answer is yes. Watch this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus announces, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free. We go to John 8, 32 in our scripture a moment ago. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Drop down four verses. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans chapter 6, 18, you have been set free from sin. Hallelujah. Romans 6, 22, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. There you go. Romans 8, 2, through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Keep reading. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what's that word? There is what? There is freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5.13, you were called to be free. Hebrews 2.15, by his death, Jesus freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And the Bible's last book ends with the last assurance of freedom connected to the name of Jesus. And now to him who has loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. And all the people said, amen. Anybody here want that freedom that comes only from Christ? Come on. You want that freedom that comes only from Christ? Why wouldn't I want it? Bottom line, we can be set free by Jesus. That was his message to Nazareth. Too bad to this offer. Nazareth, Nazareth says no. How sad. How tragic the ending of this story we've begun. Right now, in his homily, Jesus is at a, a, a critical, dramatic crossroads moment. The air is thick with drama. Somebody's going to have to respond to what the preacher is talking about. Nobody moves. Here's what happens next. Then he rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant. He's quoted the scripture for his little homily now. He gives it back to the kazan, and he sits down. They always preach sitting down, the seat of Moses, they call it. Now, notice this. The eyes of everyone in that synagogue were fastened on him. You could have heard a pin drop. What's he going to say now? We hear the word, but how will he apply it? And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They're not sure about this. I, they, they kind of buzz. They, they're speaking well of him. They're amazed at the gracious words that come from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's boy? Come on. Isn't this the homeboy Jesus that we grew up with? Yep. But Jesus realizes. They still th think he's just the homeboy. And he's going to push this envelope hard now. He has to. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. It's a well-known proverb in existence at the time. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, 
Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Come on, physician. You're the big healer that we've heard about down in Judea. Strut your stuff. We have to see it to believe it anyway. You might as well start right now. And Christ's broken heart realizes he's lost this crowd. But he will not, he will not go down without fighting. And he switches to his homily. And what a homily. Nobody's quite sure. Why is he, why is he telling these stories? We, we, we already know the stories. It will only dawn on them at the very end. Here we go. Truly I tell you, Amen in the Greek, I tell you. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. The old King James used to put it this way. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. I know what's going on here. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. She is a pagan, godless, idol-worshiping woman. Nobody, not a widow in Israel can be found to send Elijah to she sent to her, please. Oh, I got another story for you. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian, a godless, pagan, idol-worshiping general, Syrian. The only leper God you could find a heal was that. Suddenly the wheels are beginning to click, 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 click. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that there was nobody in all of Israel who had faith in God, so God has to assign his two prophets to two pagan heathens who turn out to have more faith than the Israelites? Is that what you're saying, hometown boy? Are you saying that that's why the Israelites, and we are living in Israelite former countryside, are you saying that's why the Israelites were dragged into captivity and extermination by the godless Assyrians? Are you suggesting that we Nazarenes have no more faith in God than those widows and lepers in Israel who never were delivered by God? Are you saying we are no better than the heathen we have looked down upon as gods? Is that what you're saying, homeboy? Are you saying that? And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And they got up and drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. The end. What a sad ending. Sad, isn't it? that you can be a Seventh-day Adventist worshiping on the Bible's Seventh-day Sabbath 
and praying for God to bring vengeance upon this wicked world and culture through the second coming of Christ, you can be a Seventh-day Adventist and end up rejecting Jesus in the end. They did. What makes you any different? No, come on. What's so special about you? Desire of Ages speaks to you and me right now. Our standing before God depends not upon the amount of light we have received, and some of you are so proud of yourselves for all the light you have, but upon the use we make of what we have. Thus, even the heathen who choose the right as far as they can distinguish it are in a more favorable condition than are those who have had great light and profess to serve God, but who disregard the light and by their daily life contradict their profession, end quote. Does your daily life contradict your profession? Do you practice great light but harbor great darkness through that addiction of yours? Are we any better than the Nazarenes who claim Jesus belongs to them but who choose not to belong to him? Some of you have been struggling for a long time with great darkness. I know you've told me your stories. You're not that old, though some of you are. The addiction seems impossible to give up. The allure is too strong to resist, and you know exactly what it feels like to be wearing handcuffs. The reason my friend Bud Chapman, deputy, Sheriff here in Barron County, the reason he slaps these handcuffs on a pair of wrists is he wants to reduce movement, to incapacitate the one who is now in handcuffs. And sometimes he'll have the handcuff on his wrist and the handcuff on the wrist of the arrestee. You can't get away from me now. The devil's handcuffs work the same way. You don't want this to come down. I tried it on. Ooh, you don't want this to come down. Because the moment it comes down, you're stuck. The only way this handcuff can be released is if you have a key, which you don't have. The whole point of Jesus' homily, that home, homeboy back in his hometown, was to announce, I have the key to your handcuffs. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to unlock your handcuffs. In fact, the Bible ends with the words of Jesus, red letter, red letters in Re- Revelation 1. I have the keys, he says. He's got them. 
I have the key to what has handcuffed you to the enemy of all enemies who says, boy, I'm not letting you go. Oh, I've heard your profession. I've heard, oh, you're going to change. Oh, girl, I've heard you say, I'll change. I'll never do this again. Guess what? You're still handcuffed to me, girl. And I'm not letting you go. The only way the handcuffs can be sprung is if the one who holds the master key, the master himself, and you're free. That's the gospel. That's how free it is. We've made it so difficult. No, no. Ask Jesus. Ask Jesus. In fact, I'm going to give you four responses to this handcuffed analogy. Response number one, please. Once the handcuffs are off, don't ever put them back on again. Do you understand me? What a fool. Only a fool would say, give me that back. Strap me to your side. I want to be your plaything. I want to, I love being your victim. Handcuff me again, Satan. Only a fool would go and pick the handcuffs up that have just been unlocked by Jesus. If they're handcuffs sitting in your dorm room, they're handcuffs sitting in a cupboard in your home, handcuffs in the refrigerator, I don't care where, where the handcuffs are, don't get near the handcuffs again. Keep as far away as you can. Uh, Response number two, keep as close as you can to the one who holds the master key. Just stay close to Jesus. I don't care what you do. You want a slow read through the Gospels? Be my guest. You want to go on Amazon.com and get a little paperback book called Desire of Ages and just a slow read through Desire of Ages? Why not? But every day, every day, Stay away from your handcuffs and stay close to the one who holds the key. You'll be fine. Now, there's this third response. Because sexual addiction, as some have pointed out, is as strong as heroin addiction, perhaps even stronger than heroin, one physician told me. Because sexual addiction has that nature, there's something coming to town that I'm going to tell you about right now. I'm not going to put a website on the screen for you. I'm going to tell you about it. And then if you text me right now, you text me right now, I'll send you the website. You check it out. We're bringing in a group, CFE is, Center for Faith Engagement and Pioneer. We're bringing in a group in October. I'm not going to give you the dates. We're bringing them in for a weekend. There will be professionals in that group. They have dealt with sexual addiction all across America. They know what we struggle with, you and me. And by the way, we're asking asking moms and dads to go. We're asking our elders to go. We're asking the teachers to go. We're asking everybody to go. So there'll there'll be no stigma on the fact that you show up in a room full of people. They don't need to know, and neither do you. But we're going to give you an opportunity. In fact, let me put the number on the screen for you so that you can send me that text. Because if this is true, there's somebody who can pick this lock with his master key, then we need help. 
and we need it right away. All right? My next step today, let's find out. Text the word chasing with a two after it. No space between it, please. Chasing two to the number. It's 269-281-2345. That's the number we use, and you've memorized it by now. Would you please text the word chasing two to it? You'll get a form that looks like this. My next step today is I'm going to keep praying Luther's Prayer. That was last Sabbath, but we didn't have a Connect card, so I wanted to make sure you have it and so you can print it off. O Christ, who has overcome the devil, help me. It's a prayer for you and me. You uh, put a check mark there. I'll send that to you, and you can print it off and then keep it with you wherever you go. Put it in your wallet. Uh, Box number two, I want to keep claiming Jesus' promise. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Of course. Me too. Put a check mark there. Here's the one I want you to put a check mark to if you would like. I want to be part of the Pure Desire Conference. Please send me information on how to sign up. And if you, set, if you put a check mark there and you hit send on that text, within split seconds, I will send you a website. Don't look it up now. You need to be able to look it up in the quiet of your own space. And in that, it'll send you directly to the page. And they're saying, Berrien Springs, Michigan, we'll be there in October. And you'll see it all. And it'll tell you how to register. And it'll tell you about the cost and how we've got a special scholarship fund that's set up so that you don't have to pay the full cost. It'll tell you about that. Don't worry about the details. I'm not going to give you the website here. You'll only get it this way. I want to be baptized and follow Jesus. Hey, listen, once Jesus takes these off, the, the most, if, you're not, if you've not been baptized, the most natural response would be to say, hey, listen, Jesus, I want to follow up my decision with baptism. Just put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you electronically, and you'll pick a time, and we'll, we'll, we'll do the next steps together. There's one more that's not on there, and that is, I want to be here next week when you celebrate the cross of Christ. This will be the only place on campus next week where you can actually come to the foot of the cross and be cleansed. We're going to celebrate communion. It's going to be a communion like you've never experienced before because your heart hasn't been ready for it before. You come next week and bring all your friends with you. Bring every friend you have. You bring them. And let's go with the title of the homily, Bathing in the Red River. It's all about cleansing. You go home as pure as the wind-driven snow. You don't have to wait till next week. But that will be a graphic support to your mind for the decision you've made. That's it. I'll see you next Sabbath. But we're going to sing a hymn right now, and I'm going to pray before we sing the hymn for you and for me. Oh, God, Jesus of Nazareth, whom the Spirit anointed, to be the Messiah, the only Messiah we have, the only Savior of the world we know. Dear God, take these handcuffs, Lord Jesus, and with the master key in the hand of the master, click the handcuff open and set us free. Oh, we, we, we have stuff to do. We get it. We get it. The handcuffs are gone. We're not hanging around them. We get it. We may have that place we need to go to for the full deliverance, but that's okay, Jesus. Let it start right now. For if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And we thank you 
In the name that is above all names, let the people say, Amen.